Hey everybody, it's Ron from the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast Network, here to talk to you today about SpinWiz Comics. SpinWizComics.com is an indie comics discovery platform. It's designed to help comic book readers find new content, with over 60 publishers and over 400 different comic titles to choose from, and growing every week. Most of the content right now is free to read, but there are options available to purchase PDFs and support creators you read the most. And right now, as part of the promotion, IB Comics is offering the first four issues of Grace, free to read. And for all you music fans out there, the first 28 pages of Legba's Juke Joint, Volume 1. You can read all of these for free at spinwizcomics.com. So if you're a content creator out there, check it out. It's a no-hassle platform whose core goal is to help with awareness, to essentially take your comic book and put it out there for new readers. It's as easy as uploading a couple of PDFs, toss them into a Dropbox or Google, and within a day, your stuff will be online and available for purchase or for new readers to check out. SpinWizComics.com. Check it out today. It in the mix, the podcast about the real music business. I'm, as always, your host Chris. There today, I'm sitting down with Johnny Main and Mike Hightower. We're here in the beautiful Inland Blue Studios. Welcome, gentlemen. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having us. Thanks. So, uh, as always, um, I like to start off with uh, the same question um, because I think the answer is so different for everybody I talk to. Um, so the question is, um, how did you get sucked into the world of music. Now, most people don't choose it. it uh, it's kind of a chooses cliche. <laughs> it chooses you. There's, there's something to that. Um, and then it becomes this obsession slash addiction for the rest of your life. Um, so how did that happen? Uh, either one of you can jump in first. You want to start? You mean? I want well, you mine's start. pretty simple. I just uh, I went to a, a birthday party when I was 10 years old, and this guy could play the Beverly Hillbillies on the acoustic guitar. Yeah, yeah. And all the girls at the party were, uh, you know, what's he doing? So I figured, well, that would be a way to get girls to talk to me. And that was about it. And then it came on later for business. But that's probably, uh, (laughs) I would say at least 50% of the stories would would have to do with, oh, man, the girls are interested in that guy playing guitar. Yeah, that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I heard the girls screaming on the Kiss record when I was like five years old. Uh, What about you, Johnny? I was um, sucked into it with uh, my mother uh, got me violin lessons in the second grade so i was violin violin in the second grade and i played all wow till uh, your mom is either a saint or a glutton for punishment because yeah, yeah. that's that's rough my yeah. wife picked up violin as an adult and it was still rough it was like the murder of cats for about i don't know six months thank you yeah. Yeah, that's pretty much what it was yeah yeah it, well, no actually for me i picked it up fairly quickly and then um i actually took lessons um and then i uh, I, the problem i didn't know how to read the music and actually i had the dyslexia oh okay well that would make it tough wouldn't it? so it it made it really tough jeez (laughs) that never even occurred to me that dyslexia would affect reading music notes yeah like i i i'm a teacher so i definitely and i taught english for years and years and years it was the b's the c the d and everything else was going backwards so and so what i would do i would sit and, and, and when I was in music class, you know, uh-huh. in the class, I would sit and watch the 
little Asian girl next to me. Right. And I would just watch her hands. That's and that's how I learned survival. Man. Survival, yeah. And and you got to think, you know, I don't want to like out you here, but you're probably not. You're like thirties. No, older. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So forty four. Okay, so the big year. Oh, that's right. I forgot the the, the big, big forty four with the forty fours. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I forgot the big party that just happened. <laughs> yeah. Um. So back when, because I'm not too much farther ahead. Um. They didn't really do much with dyslexia. I don't even know if they knew it existed at that point, they, yeah, but they, they, didn't. they didn't know how to diagnose it no, for sure. No. Uh, my cousin dealt with that as well. I, and I was terrible at math. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, like, a, a, I got, it's like a weird story, but I got uh, hit in the head with a soccer ball up, up against a wall. What? Wilson Elementary School in San Bernardino. And I got hit up against the side of the head, and all of a sudden, like, this light switch went off, and I got to read perfectly that's craziness nuts nuts so you're saying the 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 the, the, the cure for the dyslexia head. is well, like to hit smack somebody really the hard head. in the head <laughs> luckily, wow. luckily he got he learned to play by ear before he got hit in the head yeah yes. <laughs> i get to play by ear yeah wow and then but still i sucked at math that was the thing is wow. I sucked at math, man. Well, you learn math just going to tour with us and uh, well, have one of those clubs uh, come out with a hundred dollars <laughs> less than what your contract we'll figure out says. Math real quick. You right? get math, you get your math down pretty I, quick, Johnny. I guess we better go back in and get that under other hundred dollars. <laughs> Addition and subtraction was real easy when you start touring with the forty fours. Right. I, I don't want to say where, what state it was, Alabama, but uh, <laughs> I, I was going to say Florida. <laughs> it was close. It was seemed, close. Seemed like everything kind of shady and stupid happens in Florida. Uh, Alabama too, a little. Alabama's bit. a little off. Yeah, All right, I was a little off. Yeah, I think. But we were... me being from Mississippi, you know, it's different. No, yeah, Mike's <laughs> from he's from Mississippi. Whereabouts? Jackson. Oh, okay. Yeah. So that's that's like big city Mississippi. Oh, big city, hundred fifty thousand. Yeah, I think. yeah. I mean, it's huge, huge yeah. town. Um, and and when Mike and when I got with Mike, when we when we got to forty fours, kind of going and off and running, it was a, uh, it was a you know. Like to have him in the group was killer, man. How he, so? Uh, just the brotherhood, the camaraderie, just uh, a, a diehard lifer. Right. Like, you know, hey, are we jumping in the van? You need me to drive? I'll drive. Yeah. You know? It makes a difference, man. I, I cannot tell you. Oh, I, I'm sure I can. You would know um, how much better it is when you have people that are all going the same direction and yeah. all pulling. Um, yeah. You know, I was talking with some other guys and, and they have a similar situation. It's like all of a sudden things are getting done because not one person That's is doing it. everything. That's you know? it. You know, and when you're you've invested so much, I got to say, time, energy and money into this. Craft. Right. Right. And then, you know, I'm like, you know, uh, you got to have cats that you rely on. Yeah. You know, and and, and by far high tire and. uh Von Herzen, our harmonica player for the 44s, was just, you know, they're diehards. They're just like, are we going on tour? What are we doing? Johnny, okay. book a tour. Yeah, and and you guys definitely tour hard. Like, every time yeah. I look, I'm like, where? They're in, like, Wisconsin? Like, what the hell? Yeah, where? yeah. They were just here last weekend. Now they're all the way across, yeah. the, across the map. And, um, and then, oh, wait a minute. 38 shows straight in Europe? Wow. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yes, that's it was. that's a long haul, man. Well, it was a, it was a logical step for me because uh, I, I, I saw a post the other day. Somebody says uh, uh, I, I've heard of Outlaw Country. What's Outlaw Blues? And I'm thinking Outlaw Blues. Geez, that's probably uh, I, I don't want to pigeonhole anyone else. I'm not thinking about, but right. still, that's 
the Red Devils, uh, mm-hmm. 13, uh, the 44s. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I wasn't actually in the Red Devils, but I was a, I'm was. i still a, love the guys. And right. I was in 13, I'm in the 44s. So it was a logical progression for right. me. Right, right. Well, and that's one of the things that I genuinely like about the 44s. And I, I go off to anybody who will listen about how everybody seems to be, not everybody, but a lot of people seem to be just trying to regurgitate what went on in the 40s and 50s. Yeah. And that stuff is amazing, but we're never going to be better than Muddy Waters. Be you you got to be the best you. And that's one of the things I like most about your style and your sound is that it is outlaw blues. It's not just let's yeah. see if we can play this Howlin' Wolf song exactly yeah. the way Howlin' Wolf and, you know, all of those did guys it. did. Yeah. But it's such a reverence to Chicago. Well, yeah. And uh, we just did a record uh, with John Primer that mm-hmm. was just released. And the mesh of the two, I think John dug it. Well, mm-hmm. you know, there's a songs on the record from that session. Mm-hmm. And right. uh, I think the two together is just fantastic. And what's the name of that record? Uh, um, John Primer and Bob, uh, Bob Corchard. Uh, yeah. the, what was it called? Uh, what do they call the name? We just got the pre-release. Oh, of okay, it, so yeah. it's not out yet. It's, uh, it just got out. Okay. Don't want to say the wrong thing. I don't okay. think it's been released as of like boom, but uh, right. it's it's printed. I'm it's it right it's ready now. to rock. Okay. I'm going to Google it and I'll, I'll tell you. And I, uh, they, so you know the reverence of Chicago and right. the guys on the West Coast playing the way we do, and right. uh, when the Twain meets, it's beautiful. Right. Right. That whole concept for that album, right, was literally done. Like, twist the knife was for a certain reason, right? And it was, you know, I'm not, I won't get into specifics. I won't okay. mention the names, but we we really wanted to like twist the knife on this one, okay? Because the, those songs on that album uh-huh. were songs that a former bandmate that I had to fire, okay, never wanted to play. Oh, he never. Well, that's know, awesome. So I said, let's do it with do G- the whole Junior record. Watson. <laughs> You know, Von Herzen, Gary Ferguson, who played with Gary Moore. Right. Hightower, myself. And and he finally goes, he at the very end, because we did it at Hightower Studio in North Hollywood, Wide Track Studios. Right. And and he goes, I finally figured out the concept of what you're doing. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. That's We've hilarious. been playing those tunes, and not with the actual lineup of the record, but Johnny right. and I have been together for, you know, what? I don't want to say how many years now, but anyway. So we we've been playing them with different, you know, musicians anyway, and now okay. I knew where he was coming from, and and I don't, you know, I don't, I know he's got a little plan, and right. I, I just unless I disagree, I don't, I don't right. pretty much, you know. Right. And so that song when you when you heard Champagne and Reefer, right? Well, you I, had a couple of them. Yeah, I did. Uh, yeah. On, what, like one on each record seems like Howlin' for My Darling. Yeah, was the the tribute to Wolf. Right. And I, I had you're you know, doing we, an excellent wolf. We had by the just way. recently lost Dr. John, right? And I hear that in there. And I'm a very big fan of Dr. John. Yeah. And uh, I wish I could play piano, so, right? I but I can't. So I mean, I'm getting ones given to me. So I'm getting the half upright piano. Right. That's going to be like in my house and picking the new studio piano up tomorrow. Yeah, he's picking. I, the I new got studio. it off of auction. Hey, it's, it's, it's time, a good dude. one. Yeah. It's time. He's got another one. So all I'm, you guys out there, piano <laughs> tracks. Anybody need them? I'm right. going to have a good one. Right. <laughs> but I thought, how cool would it be to hear, uh, you know, with the whole chess records thing? How cool would it have been to hear Muddy and Wolf sing on a song? Right. That's all I was thinking. Right. And so the very muddy and one. wolf, or muddy and or a wolf M- and Doctor John. Muddy and wolf. Okay. How you know cool. there are some albums like that. Oh, I haven't heard them. Oh no, I just discovered these things are existed. You yeah, they're called 
um, like super blues. I gotta hear. And that. there's it's, are they singing it, together in the same song? Muddy Wolf and Sonny Bo Boy? Diddley. Bo Diddley. Oh, Bo. So Muddy Waters, Helen Wolf, Bo Diddley oh. is one record, and they're all three on each track. Wow, it you, is crazy. Got to burn that copy. For and me. then um, the other one is Muddy Lil Walter and Bo Diddley all together. Wow, I had no idea that these existed. So it's like I've been in like research heaven, I guess. Um, and I just stumbled upon that in one of the biographies. It's the history of it, you know. Oh, absolutely. I, when I when we we played in Chicago, I went to Chess Records, and I gotta be honest with you, I just being in that place was just wow. I'll be there next week. Are you, are you going? I I am going. Have you been there before? I haven't been inside. Now I'm interviewing you. Yes. <laughs> no, I, last time I went, it's so weird because I was that was when I first started really researching the Chicago stuff, the '40s. Um, and I was walking back to the convention center. I just went to get some like snacks and stuff at a convenience store and something stopped me and I'm like, what the, and I look and I'm right next to chess records. Yeah. Yeah. And it, but it's a museum now. Yeah. It's but a I, full I looked and I'm like, is this? And then I saw the little courtyard where yeah. they have the little concerts yeah. outside. And I'm yeah. like, holy shit. Like I yeah. just happened to walk Wait up to the place I was going to look for anyway. We can cuss on this. Oh yeah! Oh fuck yeah! Oh yeah! No, I you Get know <laughs> no because when you when you went in, did um I didn't go in though I it was oh, closed. You didn't go in. It was so closed, this closed. time it's like I don't care what's happening at the nerd show. Yeah. I'm taking a break and I'm going over to see the museum. Yeah, because I, we we had to make an appointment. Wow. Yeah, we made. They're it. doing like tours and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And now, have you been to Sun? No, have not. I, been I went now in Memphis. Yeah, I went. Uh, I haven't been there last year. Last Sun year? kicked yeah. my ass, dude. Because you, you know, you see all the stuff in the museum upstairs, and they take you into the room, the actual, and room. and it's like you well, can heartless recorded there. You can feel the ghosts in that room almost. It's like I mean, I know that nobody died there or anything, but you know what yeah. I'm saying. Like you can feel there's an energy, energy in, there. in there. Yeah, actually, like, actually, some people still get recordings there. They kind of oh, do yeah. recordings. Oh yeah. Uh, the after girl, hours. There's a, a, a Brazilian group of people that uh, this guy Celso Salim, uh, a Brazilian artist that I right. went to Memphis, and a Brazilian girl works uh, and is one of the tour. Really? Uh, one of the people that opens up and huh. lets you in. It's you know it's a tourist thing, and she said that they saw uh, Mick Jagger. And uh, Jerry Lee Lewis down the street of about course. six, eight months ago. And that was last year. So I, I think I saw Jerry Lee Lewis's recording or something. Maybe right. we'll see the two of them on a record wow. at some and, point. I mean, huh? let's be honest. It's a room. It's it's maybe twice the size. Not even twice the size of this room. Yeah. But it doesn't matter. That's that's like, you know, the snake pit in, yeah. in Detroit, you know, in, in um, Motown. Yeah, it's like that room has heard some stuff. Oh, you know, it's, it's, it's got the shit. old school uh, wavered top with the, right. the standard uh, uh, ceiling tiles that were, you know, that, that there wasn't a lot of uh, you know, access to many right. uh, design sound materials right. back right. when those studios were built. They had to figure it out. So, but well, I mean, that's that's where all of this history was made. Yeah, you know, and and they weren't thinking about that at the time. They were just they thinking, were hey, I'm going to put a record out and. And make some money on this thing, but well, so you haven't been there yet. Not to chess. Okay, so when you go, I went in to there, Sun. Sun. When you go to chess, what's going to be awesome is they're going to give you the tour. Okay. And when you go upstairs, you're going to see this life-size wall of all of them. Oh no! And it's okay. Don't lot. tell me anymore. Okay. <laughs> I want to totally Shock be surprised value. about no, this. No, no, no. <laughs> but what's awesome is how they got the reverb. Oh. 
natural reverb. Really? Yeah, the amp was, or they put the mic downstairs and oh. through, through a hole through That's the a- crazy. air conditioning duct, and they put the mic down there. That's brilliant. Yeah, and that's how they got natural reverb. <laughs> That's so nutty. The uh, first studio I had in in Hollywood, Wide Tracks, was down on Selma. It was where the piano bar was. Okay. And uh, that uh, those two buildings was Wide Tracks, and we got it. It was uh, something West Sound West, an old studio. A studio, in fact, uh, uh, going to the uh, working in the coal mine, going down. Okay. Those background vocals I had heard were cut there, so it's that old. And uh, there was a reverb room, and the reverb room was a design room about probably about half the size of your room here. It's a big room and uh, designed properly for, for right. Sonics, and they had uh, two microphones in the end and two speakers in the other end, huh. and you blast the music through there. The mics pick it up, and it's reverb. That's yeah, funny. And you put it back into the anyway. Right. But yeah. that's how they got reverb. Yeah. That's natural. It was the greatest uh, the, to my day, my history of the business. It's the greatest sound I ever heard. Was huh. a real reverb. Room. Real reverb. Well, I mean, that's because that's the bottom of dope. the basement was all concrete. Right. It sounded like what it is. It's natural. It's right. just natural. is what right. it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cool. I, you know, I, I definitely could geek out on this, but let's let's talk uh, yeah. about you guys. I mean, we'll talk. Is we'll anyone talk listening tech. to us geek out? Sorry, right, we're right. geeking out ourselves. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, let me let me go through a couple of these things that I know people are going to want to know. Let's just jump right into this. You're playing with the 44s. Mm-hmm. Um, what other bands have you played with hmm. over the years? Over the years, yeah. Well, Mike and I play in a band called the Healers. Okay, and that's uh, that's that, that's our in town band. Okay, and uh, if they get some shows outwards, you know, we get that. But we just did a uh, recording with them um, that we know nothing of. Right, <laughs> we just we just came in and played, and it's almost like a top secret mission for these guys not to right. tell us what's going on. But we're kind of like, oh, well, we, yeah, we, we haven't heard that. any tracks yet. You can uh, you can, but get they're in. mastering. That's that's awesome. <laughs> we haven't heard anything. But uh, yeah, it's it's. Uh, but that keeps you from getting nervous and overthinking it. It's like, oh, show up and play. Well, you, you know, know, be honest with you, it's uh, it's it was literally we all did like one takes. Yeah. I mean, I think we did maybe one. Uh, Mike and I are really big fans of one takers. Right. Just, just just catch it and do it. And so, like, um, not to get off the subject of the healers, but the Boogie Disease album was all one take. Oh, dope. Yeah. Boogie Disease. Tab Benoit's like that. Merrick. That's one of the things I like about him the most. Americana with, and these were with Kid Ramos. So right. Kid Ramos was producing it. So they, these were all like, just go in. Because we were so tight playing at Grazi's. Right. Uh, and, 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 you know, with the original cats. Yeah, but nobody does that. No one does that. No one does that. And kids in there pressing the button, record, and going like, you know. Only thing he busted my balls on was the fact of my vocals. He was like, track it again. Right. Track it again. Right. Track it again. You know, and he just kept busting that chop. It's kind of important. Well, you yeah, know? you got to get the vocals. Yeah, and, get the and, vocal. you know, you're nervous, you know. Right. Right. Do me a favor. Just ISO the vocals. And if you get it live, great. If you don't, let's not recut the whole tune just because the singer said shit. Right. We can say shit, right? Right. Because the, <laughs> so the singer said shit instead of shave, you know. Right. That's the point. Uh, not to take away the live aspect. Right. But you get a, you know, get a fired track and, you know, whatever. One piece. Right. Yeah, throw it away because one piece you need to move something right. or, you know. No, I'm definitely not opposed to overdubs. Yeah. I, I don't know how much I would survive in this business without some overdubs. But that said, 
there is something cooler about a live track, mm -hmm. whether the vocals are live or not. Yeah. Having the band underneath live, um, I think produces some of the best stuff ever. I mean, that's the tracks that we love all were cut like that. Yeah. You know, well, I think the vocals and all. The you know? hardest thing we've been having a problem with is the fact that, you know, well, we had a uh, a band member that was a, a longtime member mm -hmm. that, uh, you know, did some shady business. And now we're searching for the right drummer, you know. That's tough, man. And so that's, you know, uh, would I just call him out? Was that a certain way to? I didn't hear. I don't, I didn't hear no, anything. Okay. <laughs> so I, I've always felt that, and I think this is not any radical idea, but if you have a solid drummer, you have a solid band. Of course. Um, definitely. You know, case in point, Dave Matthews band. Yeah. You know, you put any other drummer in that gig, that would not be a good band the way that it is. Yeah. You know? Well, the you know. 44s have always been, uh, you know, one guy covered a quarter of the band. I mean, it's, it's right. that small a band. We right. don't, we don't, especially on tour, we have different festivals that love for us to invite our great friend, Kid Ramos. Right. We love when he does, but Kid's not out there a lot of times just right. doing the road work with us. So it's it's a big piece of the band. So right. The, the right drummer for us is, it's not just a guy playing with they the band just he's, he's a part there. he's a big quarter well no of the band. i definitely i i think because of what you're doing and how like coming back to the idea of outlaw blues you can't just put any drummer in to do that no you can't you need somebody who yeah. plays with that attitude and we mm -hmm. had band-aids you yeah. know we had band-aids we basically tried these guys don't get me wrong these guys are great hearts and souls but but if it ain't right we had band-aids well, the, the the great cats are working with great cats and uh you know you got a they got yeah. a festival with a great cat one night and we got a club gig i mean that's right. the way that goes right. but uh you know we work with the greatest drummers uh, that i know of right. especially blues and and around town yeah. brian Fay. Bill uh, Dave Kidda, Dave uh, you know, just, just some really Bateman, great drummers. Dave seems like he would be exactly the right attitude for what you're doing. Someone like Dave would be perfect. Well, he's a pro. Perfect. He's yeah. just a pro. Yeah. Yeah. Just a but pro. he's he's a, like a rock blues drummer almost. Yeah. Yeah, um, he can pretty much do most anything he wants. He definitely wants, yeah. can. Yeah. yeah. But when he gets going, it's like he's got that attitude yeah. that a lot of drummers don't have. Yeah. Um, huge fan of Dave. Well, we joke about that because we were <laughs> we played doheny blues festival like in front of i don't know 2500 right 3000 people or something like that and like the next day we're playing this private party oh of course literally like right across <laughs> the street you know for this you know buyer that right that had us come out to do this uh, function and uh i think we we, uh, we did the first song and uh i think one person clapped yeah out of like 250 people oh it's brutal they're just all <laughs> I think that is the absolute best example of independent yeah. music business. Yeah. You get a standing ovation at Doheny Blues right. Festival. Right. Well, if you didn't have those, it wouldn't make the Doheny it Festival wouldn't. so special. So there yeah. we go. Yeah. It, was, it all works. Yeah. yeah. For me, it was, it was, uh, we played the Fox and Riverside. Yeah. And it's like 15, 1600 people or something. And then the very next night you're playing a coffee shop somewhere. And yeah. it's like, nobody cares, nobody what, you're cares doing. what you're doing. And you could give the exact same performance, yeah, but yeah. the setting changes all that. Yeah. Now, having said that, yeah. um, what would you say was, and this is a hard question, what was your best gig? If you had to pick one gig that really stands out for you is like, that was, that was the best that it Are you gets. talking about 44s? What's our whoever. best gig? Oh, whoever. whoever. It doesn't have to be well, 44s. That, that, kind of, kind of, that would kind of involve biggest, right? No. No? I don't know. 
It, what what would well, you say was your best to, gig of all time? Now, you, Man, now, you, now you're putting him in the hot seat because he's. Sitting I know it's next a hard question. Me. He's sitting next. But to me. The, the the latest gig, you know, like That's like last answer. night. I mean, like what Johnny and I are getting ready to do. I'm so excited. I love everything, but that it's gone. I'm, right. I'm just you would not believe some of the stuff we, we we're writing and creating. That's what our, where our oh, hearts are. I can't are, wait. You know? it, it, we, we hopefully it'll be soon enough. You know, to, everybody will hear it. So. Uh, and it's nothing new. We just continue all the time. Right. But yeah, the latest greatest sure is is probably the best. I don't cool. mean to sound uh, witty on that because it's, no, it's I think true. That's... It's absolutely true. But uh, biggest biggest has to do with fans, right. numbers, right? And in our genre, uh, what big is twenty twenty thousand is pretty big, and that's huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I, well, I think it was. I think for 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 me. I'm gonna I, now. I don't mean to over Trumpy on this one. Oh yeah. But you and I were walking out in Moulin Ospel, and I remember stopping by the refrigerator, and I grabbed like four beers. I grabbed them, you know, and and and, and the the guys like getting ready to interview me before I walk on stage, and the guy goes, he goes, "Are you gonna be okay?" <laughs> and I go, "What do you mean?" He goes, "Well, you're not gonna get too drunk," and I go. Oh man, you don't know me, man. Right, like this, and and Mike goes, he taps him on the shoulder and goes, "Trust me, he's a professional." Right, right, <laughs> like that. And, and he goes, "Well, we want to ask you some questions." But when we walked out to Moulin, and I remembered we did a tribute to Lester Butler. Kid Ramos is on stage. Okay, and we're up there and we're doing um, automatic. Okay, and we did this little thing to for Lester and uh, and. I, I never do it, but I was sitting there and it's like, you know, we're doing automatic. And when I, we stopped the song, I go and I point out to the crowd and they all sang. Oh, I was like, how many people? The, it's a big it's song a in Holland. Yeah, right. It really is. They know it like uh, the R&B Mustang Sally. Wow. They know automatic in the blues. And they all sang right, right when I pointed. I didn't even sing it. I That's just, cool. I, I just pointed out and they go. Got no money, boy. You still can't go. And that's then, funny. And they automatic, go. and they're just clapping and the clapping. That's great. And, and when that, I go, that was like, we made it. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I I, uh, I heard automatic on satellite radio a few months ago. Mm -hmm. I didn't recognize the artist. I would have loved to have heard it. Heard it by the original artists, you right. know, Lester Butler and the Red Devils. I mean, I would have loved to. Have, uh, I don't hear much outlaw blues that I no. consider, you know. There's not much though. Uh, Mick Jagger probably liked uh, outlaw blues. He got the Red Devils to do a record with him, and, right? Uh, right. So it, there's pieces of it out there that people can find. It's really political, Chris. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. So it's so. And you and I have had this conversation, I think, at one point that yeah. that um, you know the blues societies do a lot of great work, but they also isolate a small number of artists that all kind of have a similar vibe and yeah. that's their go-to. Yeah. Um, and blues radio is just the same. Yeah. And the, the thing that I always come back to, is like, you know, I think it was Robert Cray said, um, music doesn't need preserve or blues doesn't need preservation. It needs renovation. Yeah. And it needs to continue to grow. Um, and if you're just trying to be muddy or just trying to be wolf, you're not taking the music anywhere new. I mean, B.B. King said the similar thing. Um, and if you don't, as a society, as a blue society, support people who are trying new things or different things that aren't just for cut from the mold, it dies. 
I gotta say something too. I'll be honest with you. You know, I'm not afraid of the establishment. You know, and I, hmm. I for a long time I kept my mouth shut. And what are they gonna do? I exactly. They're not fucking booking me now. Right. What the right. fuck am I afraid of? Right. I'm gonna cause waves. And so, but what I speak is the truth. Right. I've seen the politics behind the door. Mm-hmm. I know what's going on. Right. Okay. There's no fucking secret about it. No. It's the same fucking artists every fucking year that are getting nominated because it's the same record label that's paying to get them nominated. Yeah. And the same booking agent that's fucking doing it. Right. So now you've seen the angle. That's side no of secret. There's no secret. That's pretty easy, Johnny. Easy, Johnny. I know. I know. Tell, I, tell I, us I think you that's up. the reality of the situation that you and I both find ourselves in is that we're not part of that clique. And well, uh, we're not part of the clique because we haven't paid for it. Well, of course not. And, and we're, I'm trying to earn respect. That's all I'm trying well, to do. Well, and a living, you know. A living. Who's got money for that? Like I always said, it's it's that center of circle at your high school. Right. Where all the cool kids hang. Right. And we're the guys that are walking on the outside, the parkies or the skaters. Right. right. And we're the rebels. Right. We're the outlaws. Right. They're the fucking popular kids, you know. And so that's that whole system. It's, it's, it's really... The BMAs and, and all this stuff, it's just like, dude, it's such it's clicky. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, there's there's some. So you play the game that, or you don't play the right. game? Right. Some of the artists sneak in there and, and they're legitimately doing something interesting. Yeah. But, man, there's there's a lot of the same. It, um, it is. In an effort to preserve that history, what they're doing is they're, they're killing any potential new audience. Yeah. And then they complain that young people aren't coming out. How do we get somebody under 60 to come out to these gigs? And it's like, well, you got to bring in somebody that they're going to want to hear because I guarantee most kids don't start listening to Muddy Waters and Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. I started out listening to fabulous Thunderbirds and Robert Cray and Mm -hmm. Stevie Ray Vaughan. And And that was the gateway. Yeah. Yeah. And then you start looking back from there or even if it was Hendrix. Yeah. You know, the people can't hear Muddy Waters yeah. and Howlin' Wolf. Yeah. They got to learn to hear it. Oh, yeah, totally. You know? Now, they may like it, but they don't necessarily, like, automatically go, oh, yeah, this is what I love. Well, this They got to be well, taught that that's what they love. This I, I kind of depend on the, on the dance floor and the, the girls that go to dance on the dance floor mm-hmm. and the guys that follow them onto the dance floor. Right. If they like the song... Uh, you know, I mean, I don't, I'm not a rich man. I'd love to get financially taken care of in the right. genre of music, but it's not straight on my plate. You know, I, right. I, I do it for the, you know, when you see it happen, when you mm-hmm. see them hit the dance floor, right. we got a song called Fade to Black. And it's, if you hear it, if if people would get to it, they would appreciate it and right. play it. And right. all the societies getting it in those places. I don't know how you get it in. I guess you pay somebody to hear it, but it keeps, know, it man. keeps this particular song just keeps playing and playing. We've got little internet radios right. that keep playing and playing. And when we play it live, all the girls hit the dance floor. Mm-hmm. And so, you know what, for me, I, I trust the fans. I trust the fans. I think that's it, man. I think yeah. um, the idea of making it big, whatever that means, has changed. Oh, it's completely changed. It's, it's kind of gone out the window. Did you hear CCD Baby just shut down? Yeah, they're gone, huh? They Well, they're not doing... Um, I, I don't know that they're completely gone. Well, I heard they're just shutting down or something. I, they're not doing their um, online merch store or whatever but they were isn't doing. Isn't digital download and all that stuff important? Or? I think digital downloads are still but happening, not, they're but they're not doing CDs. the cards anymore. Ah. They're they're getting rid of the cards. Um, 
they're still honoring the codes that they put out. Yeah. Um, and they're still doing all of the sending out to different companies. Um, but I don't think they're doing, you know, like, like they did. Yeah. Um, they're, they're moving to an Amazon model is Be- what they're doing. Because we were on CDBaby.com and, and, and like our record label, man, we can't even get numbers from them. Well, just like- the, the record, uh, we, we've got our own distribution pretty good when we, you know, when we want to follow that route right. because record labels help you get from, you know, with promotion. And they stuff. can. Yeah. Uh, for we, sure. we trust they can. And that yeah. we're always in hope that that will happen. Right. For us. Right. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the, if, and I, I produce different artists sometimes mm-hmm. and they'll want me to distribute. I don't really care much about CDs. It's really for the band to sell off right. the stage. Right. So, uh, and I really don't know the definition of what to do, except I'm hoping for vinyl. I'm s- trying right. to see. We have a uh, worldwide distribution on vinyl, but vinyl's about $4,000 up front. Oh, yeah. To no, get it's into, not cheap. make your plates. And, but mm-hmm. we have good distribution. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's not my money. So I wouldn't advise right. someone do it. <laughs> well, I mean, but that's the thing. It's like it's, your music is now free, and basically, and, yeah. And to anybody go, who wants to hear you it, can it's go out on there. YouTube and literally, yeah, just pull up "Twist the Knife," right, which is our latest CD. You can pull it up, yeah, right, and, and you listen to it. That's the way I listen to it. That's how I listen <laughs> right, to it. Right. No, and I, I think <laughs> as much as I hate that idea, yeah. You have to accept it. And then you start looking at, okay, how do I make money in this business? How do you? Well, I mean, t-shirt sales and... Okay, um, Netflix. Yeah. Those those big boys are not going to let their money go like the music industry went. Steven Spielberg, I'm sure, has... He's not getting ripped off. Are you part of Sound Exchange, Chris? Uh, I don't know if I'm doing the Sound Exchange stuff. Yeah, I I did. we're, We're on Sound... Or no... Mike hasn't signed up yet. Yeah, if he does, this guy's gonna be a millionaire. I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the starving artist directly, design wise. You know, I've, I've signed up for so many things now. But I, I, I have to sweet, go back and look. I got a sweet ass check, man. Oh, okay. From Sound Exchange for 19 bucks. Yeah, I know. I get those through. Uh, it's like I have CD 19? Baby sending me stuff, yeah. and then Amazon sends me like 19 cent. Yeah. You know, deposits. Yeah, I get, I get little um, checks here and there, and I just hand them to my girl. And just I do around. have a lot of stuff going through, um, like a placement company. Yeah. And they'll send me checks that are actually like you know a hundred bucks. You know, and yeah. it's like whoa, I got you know a big check. Th- those checks are not my first as check, big as they used to be. My, my first check from Boogie Disease and Americana because I hadn't signed up until Americana was out. My my first check was like twenty six hundred. Oh, that's pretty good. And I was like, what? Was no, like, that's because we were on. That's legit. We were on uh, um, uh, Bluesville XM okay. Radio. That definitely is how you do it. Yeah, and for it's, some reason we don't know how we didn't get on this Bluesville. <laughs> Our promoter guy that was supposed to do this, right. I can mention names, but he was supposed to get us on. He said he did. He said I submitted it. Says it's already there. I, I, you we can listen now it. for five bucks a month. I wasn't buying subscript for 18, right. but now it's five. So right. I've, I've got it just to study, stay on and listen to some Howard Stern, right. but to right. stay, stay on. But you wonder how some of these bands, man, get on. You're just like, well, right. That band, on even there? my TV, you know, you've got music choice or music whatever. Choice. I have that. Well, yeah. And I, I put on the blue station like a lot. I, I haven't recently because I've been on Pandora. Yeah. I've just been stuck in, um, in Mardi Gras radio. 
Oh, Mardi Gras radio. Yeah, I just, I, because it's, you know, it's carnival season. So it's like yeah. the last three months, it's been like nothing but Mardi Gras radio and yeah. Kermit Ruffin radio. And um, I fall asleep to the blues channel. And so right. sometimes well, I'll wake up and go. I notice your uh, New Orleans. Uh, oh, dude, I, I've gone like deep on New Orleans for the last couple of years. Uh, I mean, you look in the house, there's fleur de lis everywhere. Um, I've, I've kind of fallen in love with the town. Yeah, um, that was, that was, uh, that was our my last bucket show. list is to play the Jazz and Heritage, Jazz and Heritage oh, Festival. I have like, to seriously, do it. That's, that's my it. fucking bucket list, man. Yeah. yeah. And I promised him, I said, hey, listen to me. Before anything gonna, ever he happens, owes me. He's going to do it. I said, I'm going to get us on that <laughs> festival. I don't I, care. I have no idea how to do it, but man, if you figure it out, you let me know. If Samantha Fish can be on that thing, we can get on that thing. <laughs> I know it for a fact. Well, I was, <laughs> you just need to get some high heels and a cigar box guitar and you're in. I was born three hours north of New Orleans. So right. uh, I went to that festival from the time I was 15 oh, till so up good. and till now. I've, I haven't been in in modern years because I know it's like John Fogarty. There's huge festival, uh, you know, con, uh, Coliseum bands that play it now. It's huge. I'm yeah, sure. but um, you still have the tents where the real stuff's happening. Um, you still have the blues tent. You still have the gospel tent. Yeah, you still have yeah. the jazz tent and you have the trad jazz tent. And, you know, so I find I, I went last year and it was like the 50th anniversary or something. Um, so it was huge. It was expensive to get in? Not like you would think. I mean, there's so many people that I think that they can get away with not charging a lot. Um, and it's like I convinced the wife that we had to go because Dave Matthews band was was headlining one of the nights. And I'm like, cool, we can do that. And then the next day I can go see all this yeah, stuff I want to see. Yeah. Um, you know, and it's you go into the blues tent and you'll catch um, CJ Chenier, you know, and some of these really awesome, you know, blues or Zydeco bands playing. Um, that's kind of where it's at. You know, it's, I saw it's the Clifton tents. there. Yeah, yeah. I saw Clifton. I used to see the oh, meters and uh, they were they were all playing. It was there were no big state. It was right. like you just described. So right. I imagine it's the same setup. Then it is. They've just added big wow. stages for for the concert. Right. And I do believe I was there one time and they had a concert that went out on the riverboat oh. and it happened to be a jazz night and oh, it was cool. McCoy Tyner, wow. uh, Freddie Hubbard and oh, wow. um, Earl Turrington, not Earl Turbington, but he's a New Orleans sax right, player. Right. And it was, a, you'd go out on the riverboat, you'd go up the Mississippi River for That's the three awesome. hours of the concert. You'd turn around, you'd get back off. I love that place, man. Yeah. And it's like, uh, yeah. you, you see guys like Johnny Mastro. Who like picked up and just moved there. Yeah. And those motherfuckers play in almost every night of the week. He used yeah. to play with them. Yeah. You played, played with them. Played a lot of t- did, did we, you, we did, you did some time with them. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, and it's like you go down there and there's, you know, Frenchman Street and there's a little room that's about the size of this room. Yeah. And they're in the corner and it's packed. That was full the of last people. show of our tour on the on the uh, southern tour. That was the where'd, last show where'd you play? Yeah, that's right. We stopped by uh, New Jordan. Orleans. Uh, uh, Johnny couldn't make it, but Smokey came out. To right. The show. Phenomenal guitar player. Yeah. Like, I, I picked Smokey. his brain. I'm like, dude, how are you getting some of these low tones? He's like, it's guitar magic. Yeah. Like, I'm like, are you detuning? And, you know, like, yeah, sometimes, but some of it's just like, you know. Oh, he goes down just on the E string when they play in D. Right. So yeah. that's it. But he's not like, Tuning down a step, right, like right. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah. So yeah, I, I was listening to some of that. So I'm like, "What are you doing there?" Yeah, because that I'm trying to figure that out. Did, what he, you, did yeah. he did he take off his uh, his luchadora mask and tell you the truth? <laughs> 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 no, man. They I, I envy them for just like doing it. Just getting they up just and said, going. Yeah, fuck it, and left and went out there. Yeah, um, well, they still do the Euro tours, so they could yes. pretty much. 
you know, that, that's the at least a couple a year. You know, but they're slugging it out down there. I mean, it, let's be real. They're not making any more money there than they would here no. per gig. The difference is, is you've got gigs at 1 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 7 o'clock, you know, 11 o'clock, 1 o'clock. They're all day long every other place. Yeah. So the opportunities are more, but you're not getting paid more per gig. Uh, you just have more well, chances it, to play. What does it mean to you? That's what I mean. Like, what does it mean to you? Because, like, right, right. I mean, you could. Well, you're making a living. If you call that a living. Well, I mean, you are though. You're make you're you're I, playing I mean, music. Yeah, but for, I mean, we don't know how much they're making. Oh, I know they're making. The bands are making if about. You would have known what we were making when we played there. It was it was cute. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just well, say that. I, the the average gig here pays about the same as there. You know, the, and that's just kind of everywhere. Um, the, the going rate hasn't changed since the seventies. You're looking at like 300 bucks a night for a band. Well, you got to um, have a side hustle. If you're a musician, yes, you better. Yes. <laughs> I, I think the difference is there. There's so many gigs that they have to fill all of those days and all those times that it's like, Oh, okay. I could actually make a living. I got to run from this place to go to that place. Right. And they it's, do. It's like us going from like Grazi's to highbrow. Yes. And from yes. highbrow, I'm going to go over to, you know, uh, uh, you know, Tropicana and then go, yes. Tropicana and go up to this place. The smart play out there is there's a cat named chance Bushman. And I I've met him once. He's a super nice guy. He does like jazz stuff and he's, you know, tap dances while he, you know, sings, he's got like four groups yeah. and he'll play, like four clubs in the same day under a different group name. And that's yeah. kind of how you do the, the side <laughs> hustle out there is you just, it, it's like a lot of the same guys. Yeah. Yeah. You'll just bring in one guy who plays, you know, banjo or something. And suddenly it's a new group and that's, that's kind of how they're doing it out there. So dude. when you say 300 bucks, we're talking 300 bucks for, for the band. For, that's, that's the whole band. Oh, they ain't making a lot. No, no. A lot of tips. So 300 bucks for the whole band. And that's how many hours in New Orleans? Well, usually like three hours. Well, in the city, they play off the crowd a lot. Yeah. Right. You're, yeah. you're making crowd, tips. I've heard guys, uh, clubs, if they didn't have a crowd, they got sent home without pay. So wow. it's not a guarantee at those places. Right. But, you know. They, and that's not everybody. No, I think no. that's kind of the going rate. And I think out here, too, is like when, when you know, like you play Grazi's or you play some of those places. Right. You get a guarantee, but you're locked in for four right. hours. Right. So you have to play no matter what. Right. So it's like over there, you play for a little bit and you work your tips and everything else. Right. And, and, and but It's a much harder slog here. Dude, it's for a, sure. It is way harder here. Right. And it would be down there. Right. <laughs> uh, let's, let's don't start talking about Nashville. Woo. Oh, Nashville. Ooh. Them boys are <laughs> the, the low club. Uh, hey, they got about so Austin, many Texas musicians. Too, man. Is Austin, Austin rough? So many musicians. Austin's I, rough. I went to Nashville a couple years ago. I was not impressed with Nashville. I felt like Nashville was a lot of country cover bands in every been club. In Nashville, yeah. It was fine. Well, I mean, I can go by the Bluebird. Of, there's a lot of but, great musicians that yes. are there make, you know, commercially playing country music right. and, and that sort of thing. Just, you know, LA, I mean, there's some yes. great pop yes. musicians that you wouldn't think could cover Django Reinhardt and they can. Right. Know, so. right. Well, you've heard of J- JD Simo. Yeah. Killer player. Oh, yeah. Lives in Nashville. Oh, yeah. And he oh, like, a lot of great players in he Nashville. He split from Arizona and went to. Nashville and he's this killer player. Oh yeah, you know? and and is doing. He has his group and then he has his uh, solo yeah. project and yeah, phenomenal. Chris, I I I'm I'm just gonna say this. It's so crazy that I can go out and see like um, just for an example. I'm not gonna. Um, I can see this guy, Chris Kingstone Fish. That yeah, is jumping right now. Right. Oh, killer. he's killing it. 
He's killing it. I can see him at a packed club yeah. in Newport Beach. And then I can go to the slide bar in Fullerton to see Dole Bramhall. And there's yeah. only 20 people. Oh, yeah. And you're like, oh, let's come back to Samantha Fish. And I'm not like dogging Samantha I'm Fish. I'm not dissing her either. Yeah. She's fine. She does She does well what she does. She mm-hmm. can pick a song. She Yes. She is fine. But would I put her in my top 10 of people I'd like to go see? Like, And they're making really. the top 30 guitar players of the world? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going, why isn't Dole Bramhall on this list? Dude's phenomenal. Dole Bramhall II is amazing. Yeah. And is an amazing songwriter. Yeah. Player, soloist, everything else. Yeah, I think that's that's the difficult part of this whole thing is, uh, you know, you're never going to see the people that deserve it the most get it. Well, I mean, like, who do I got to sleep with in order <laughs> right, to get, right. you know, to get some publicity, you know? Yeah, yeah I, I tried that. That don't work out. That, didn't, that don't work that out didn't too well. That, that didn't work out. <laughs> he was a real fat guy. Yeah, that, did, that, that didn't work out. Take one for the band. Uh, nah, yeah, not again. Not out again. Too well, I think we'll just keep it at that. <laughs> so I, it's been kind of driving me nuts. How did you guys even meet? I, I don't even remember how you and I met. Um, you, you and I met. It must have been at like Grazi's or something. No. I remember when I met really? you. Really? Yeah. Wait, okay, how do we meet? Well, you, uh, we met at the, um, you guys played, and then we played. Oh, and wow. And then Piazza played after. Oh, that was at probably. At the Stingers. Yes. Stingers. That's that's right. Yeah. Man, that was a long-ass time ago. Oh, we were still doing like the suits and hats and all that bullshit. Yeah, you guys were doing all the suits oh, and hats. I fucking hated all that. <laughs> Did you really? Oh, I hated it so much. Who, Honestly, whose concept idea? Was it was that? mine, but the the whole idea was I was I was having a baby with the wife. I wasn't having it, but you know, <laughs> we like, were having a child. Yeah, and I was thinking we're gonna need money, so I thought let's put together this little blues thing that's just covers and whatnot. And um, you guys killed it. You guys sounded great. Well, it was it was a fun time. It was a good band. What was it? Six piece or five piece? Uh, it might have been six piece by that point. I think you had because we had section. the horns. Yeah, you had the horns. Um, but it was it was never meant to be a permanent thing. Yeah, you know the big papa persona was just kind of big like papa a little in the, in the and the TCB. TCB it was yeah. just meant to be a joke thing where I could make some extra money. Yeah. Then we got the commercial, the the pizza commercial. Yeah, yeah. And I'm right. like. Fuck, now I'm stuck with this shit. <laughs> and it we just in the last two years, I've been able to kind of like get rid of the big papa thing and just be me again. Cause I, I felt like it was it was more theater than than anything. Yeah. You know, you're putting yeah. on a persona. That yeah. uniform you get committed to, yeah, right? Yeah, man. I, I, I've been very lucky <sighs> in my career not to do uniforms. It I embraced I, it for a while. I've I've been in a situation you said Florida earlier. Yeah. Uh, road stories of uniforms. So I'm with my band. We were like, you know, wannabe Allman Brothers playing okay. all over the South and we wanted to get signed to Capricorn. We didn't care much about Hollywood. Right. And we were playing, and a booking agent had us a gig in Florida. And we get down to Florida in Tampa, and it's a big club. And we get in there, and they say, oh, I thought you were a uniform band. Oh. And we're like, no, that's not what we do. We're not going to be dressing alike. So uh, it, we just noticed it was all like, a, you know, guys from New York that worked there. They oh. all looked like brothers <laughs> and everything, and it was 10, 15 of them, you know. Huh. So they advised us to go talk to the uh, head guy, 
And so we didn't want to go talk. So we pushed our band leader in there and he goes in there and talking. And he comes in and it's a, it's a dark office just out of the Sopranos, you know, right? <laughs> with uh, the guy sitting at the end of the bar that proceeded to tell our right. band leader we were a uniform band. <laughs> and then he gave us the money. And we still didn't go all the way to buy uniforms, except we did have to go down to the store and we bought all silk uh, cowboy right. cuts, but not cowboy shirts, one right. color, different colors. And the guy from New York let us go ahead and didn't break wow. our fingers. That's crazy. Yeah. It, we were told we were a uniform band. We didn't have a choice. So. Wow. Well, I mean, I guess <laughs> in that situation, I can sort of understand it, but, but I made that choice. But, you know, yeah. I know you made, I and mean, that's what I, I was going to say was when I, when I first saw you guys, I go, that's the fucking exact fucking reason why I didn't want to fucking be in music. Right. I, I wanted to be, I wanted to rebel. Right. You know, I was like, I'm not going to go. This isn't a nine to five job right. for me. Right. I'm not going to get up and dress up in a suit, you know, when right. I see these guys. And I came across one cat and I'm, I'm going to mention his fucking name because he was, <laughs> he was a dick to me. Okay. Kenny Blue Boss Wayne. I was playing a blues festival in um, Washington at the, uh, it was the Washington Beer and Blues Festival. And, okay. And he was coming up right after us. Okay. Now, keep in mind, it's fucking like 103 degrees outside. Of course. My favorite part of the year in yeah. my three-piece suit. Yeah, and I'm wearing black Dickies, black Converse. Right. The stage is black. Oof. And the sun's coming, beaming down on my feet. And I'm burning my rubber on my right. freaking Converse. And I'm like, man, and I'm wearing a black... Um, Dickies, you know, workshop. Right, right. A nice shirt. Yeah, it's buttoned up. I take it off, and I got my tank top on. Right. And I'm covered in tattoos. And even those start burning in the sun. Right. And anyways, I get up, and we're doing the show. We get off the stage, and this Kenny guy comes up. Kenny Blue Boss Wayne comes up, and he goes, he goes, "Uh, you know, I don't care who you are. He goes, I always dress for the show no matter how hot it is. (laughs) He goes, show some class. Wow. And he said this. And what was so rad was when I heard that, I just went, caught this guy's attention. Okay. You know, like right on. Because even the, at the time, my bass player took his shirt off. Right. And we all were wearing tank tops. We were looking like a bunch of Billy Who Badasses. Who is this guy? He's a great piano player. Okay. He's a legend. Kenny Blue Boss Wayne. Yeah, I don't know. And so what he didn't realize where he fucked up was he was staying at the same hotel I was at. <laughs> so as I'm walking through the door, you know, I... I was hanging out with Tommy Castro because right. Tommy Castro played after him. Right. And I was hanging out with his uh, Who I love, ba- by bass the way. player. I was hanging out with his bass player. So we were talking and we get grabbing a beer. And here comes Kenny Blue Boss Wayne. And everyone's like, oh, Kenny. And uh, I walked up to him. I had a few in me, a few shots right. of Crown Royale. And I walked up to him and I said, hey, can I explain something to you? You may get up there in your fancy fucking little suits and jump around and play your little fucking piano, your fake ass piano. Right. But I said, I have a suit on full time. Did you know that? And I was in my tank top. And I said, you see all this fucking ink on me? It's my fucking suit. I said, I wear this full time. That's funny. I'm always dressed for the gig. And he looked at me, he goes, I meant no disrespect. Yeah, right. I meant no disrespect. He's an OG black. Yeah. Like black fucking piano player. And I'm just, I looked at him and I was like. Don't ever disrespect me like that again. You understand? That's funny. And I was pointing at him. And he just looked and he just goes, oh, yeah, I mean, it'll disrespect. I swear to God. And I was like, hey, man. Show some saying, class. Okay, that's not disrespect. Show some class. Yeah, right. <laughs> Always dress for the gig. That's what he said. Right. 
And that's what Hightower... I, he probably thought he was schooling you on, on proper etiquette well, and whatnot. Well, I think he was being disrespectful Of on course stage, he was. Trying to clown us because we kicked his ass. Yes. On stage. And yes. so it was, you know... And I just felt bad. After I did it, I felt bad. And so I apologized to him. Well, you know what? Hey, I ran man. across him again in the future. Trust me. Of course, me. You, you always do. You and I was dressed anybody. up nice. And he, <laughs> and I was dressed nice. You know, I was wearing a nice... Hey, you looking classy. I was wearing a nice Pendleton. <laughs> you know? <laughs> a nice Pendleton on. It was cuffed. Everything was good. That's funny. So you still haven't told me how you got guys met oh i had That's gotten a long venice pause, beach <laughs> venice beach you trying to get your story venice straight bistro. or what? Ve- venice, venice bistro, bistro. Yeah. really bistro. yeah well, like let me start he can take it after that i'll start because i'm kind of uh if unless you know i he i didn't know him he comes to the gig the girl that was whose gig it was hired him okay and i kind of don't learn people's name until i hear they can play because right. i just don't yeah, why bother? Him. Yeah, so <laughs> I was kind of an asshole until I heard him play, right? And then we've been friends ever since. <laughs> that was yeah, I because I I, I I remember she calls me up and she goes, "Hey, I need you. To, can you fill in for this gig?" And it, and can, I'm just gonna tell it like it is, man. Yeah, I'm gonna speak it real. Johnny Mastro's wife. Okay, Mastro's wife got a hold of me. Because we used to play at this place called Babe and Rick's. Okay. Down, down. Are they still together? In, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. They're in New Orleans. Yeah, they're in New Orleans. What's what's her name? Uh, Lisa. Lisa C. Lisa okay. C. Yeah. Who's who's the Galia that he's been playing with? Do you know who that's that is? That's a girl from uh, Belgium, I believe. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Somebody else. But that's, I, know. I didn't not, know if they were, like, connected somehow. Well, they're, or, yeah. Lisa, yeah. have you heard her sing? No, I haven't. She's yeah. killer. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure. She's a powerhouse. Um, and and the other girl's fine. She sings fine. Yeah. Like, I bought everything they they, they did. Like, I, I heard um, uh, Never Trust the Living or whatever the name yeah. of that record was. And I'm like, this is fucking great. This is what I'm talking about. This is some guys doing something that's a little bit off the beaten path and it's not the same, you know, shit that everybody's doing. I'm like, hell yeah, I'll support this. And I bought all their records um, just because I was like, hey, this is this is somebody who's trying something new. They're trying something different. They're yeah. trying something different. And whether you hate it or like it, to me, that's irrelevant because at least it's somebody doing something different. Um, so I, yeah, I supported that. And that's how kind of like... I bought all your stuff too because I feel mm-hmm. like you're doing something different. Well, you should ask me. I'll just bring you stuff. Nah, man. I I want to support when I can. Yeah. Well, you know? this guy, this is how I met him was I would go down to this place called the Blue Cafe. Oh, okay. You, you've been I remember the Blue Cafe. Yeah. Is it still there? Gone. I thought it was yeah. gone. Yeah. Vince Jordan. Yeah. They, yeah. They, Vince Jordan was kind of what, what was he like the manager or something like he that? He was, uh, he was the guy that made it happen. He right. was the booker. He was everything. I've been there many times. Lester Butler in. He brought all right. Kid Ramos. He brought Harmon. He brought right. the Paladins. He brought everybody in that place. Yeah. And and that was a good night on a Saturday night. You talk about low pay clubs. That was not on a Saturday night. Uh, pretty much the front door would <clears throat> get you a couple of thousand bucks. Oh, so nice. That was, Vince was, was very, uh, he was the right kind of guy. Those yeah. places was. are few Vince, and far Vince between. Vince is still around. He's right. at the Blue Cafe. He's right at the Blue Cafe. He's talking about putting. He's talking. I wish about, he would. He's he's one yeah. of the lifers in the biz. On that side of yeah. the biz, I would love to. to he yeah, would he's do talking about. There are a few club owners who understand what it means, and and they treat the bands right. Well, you get a lot of but those guys in Europe. In yeah. Europe, I mean, these guys they keep those clubs together, right. and uh, you know, sadly, uh, there's a lady there where we stayed, Johnny, a truce. Oh, truce. And yeah. uh, truce passed, and, and and you know, quite not unlike Babe and Rick's, Mama passed, right. and Did the you people that are left. No, 
Never been to Babes? No. It's just, you know, they, it's got to be, they're lifers. I That's, mean, they, they were all alive because right. the, club, the club was alive because those people, it was their heart. Right. That's where I, I first met, but we, we didn't saw meet. each other. We, didn't we meet, saw each other, but we never yeah. met. Yeah. It was a Babe and Ricks on Crenshaw. Oh, okay. South Central LA. Yeah, see, I don't get out to LA much. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of got disheartened with the whole scene out there. And oh, you got disheartened. Yeah, I just I don't I don't go out there unless there's like big money involved. Yeah, I that, just avoid well, it like it's a plague. Not, it's not happening. Yeah, well, so I, I use I use a lot of the round town gigs. I'm not going to sit down and rehearse and make myself right. go over stuff. And I use it. But you act- live out there. Well, I am in North Hollywood. That's so, a whole different. Yeah. Like me driving out there. Like yeah. no. I'm not driving out there. I'm played an empty club. And the closer you get to Hollywood, the less the gigs pay. <laughs> right, yeah, right, right. I'll, and the fewer people show up for them. I saw yeah. Muddy Waters and Willie Dixon. Muddy was actually the front act for Willie at the Roxy and before he died, 82 right. maybe. And uh, at, at the Roxy now, uh, I've seen Muddy Waters there, great artists there in the history of their... But the Roxy now, I don't. I believe is more like I think it's on the lines of the band has to buy oh, two, yeah. two thousand oh, dollars worth of there. tickets, and then you're welcome to sell them and get your money back. Shit, for twenty years, it's been like that. Has it been yeah. like that? The that whole long? town is yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah. that's you sad. It's, that's it, sad. The Viper Room and all those. Yeah, places all those like clubs that, down right? on Sunset. It's like eh, yeah, it's I'll pass. Room. I did that like back in the early you know nineties. Yeah. And we were suckers for it because we heard that's where it's all happening. And yeah. we paid our money and lost our money and yeah. got nothing out of it. And Albert King at the Troubadour. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you saw my post, the post that I put up about like, you know, um, and I mean, no disrespect to guys that have day jobs and stuff right. like that, but the, the weekend warrior is killing us. Well, yeah, but, and I think we've talked about this. Yeah. That it's partly those weekend warriors because they're undercutting all the bands. That's it. Yeah. But it's but it's also the clubs. It is willing clubs. to take shitty bands. Yeah. Because they'll pay they'll take less money. They'll take less money. And I I put more on the clubs. Yeah. If the club does their business right, they build a scene. Yeah. And then no matter what night of the week you go, it's good. If the club's looking for a quick buck, yeah. they're going to hire subpar bands and it hurts everybody. Exactly. Absolutely. And you're absolutely right because a lot of these because those bands you can't fault those guys. No, they're just trying to play music. Yeah, well, you know, and they they get what they what they're worth. Yeah, you know, of course. Because I bet back in the day when I was playing in in the nineties with like Desanti, right? And I was playing with the Flirt, the band Flirt, right? And right. some of those guys, you know, like, trust me, those are some characters. But when we were playing in those places, man, we were getting one hundred and twenty five, hundred and fifty a man, right? And it was killer. Right. You know, drinking for free. Yes. Getting paid right. And just, you know, hey, we're just having a good time. And back then it was, it wasn't no big deal, man. It was like, and the places were packed. But I think the level of, of bands quality was, was better back then. The competition was, was good because the clubs had integrity and the clubs would, would bring in the best bands. And that just doesn't happen in many places anymore. Well, let me ask you this, Chris. Yeah. I'm going to ask you this question. How many young bands do you see forming as they're all the same age and they're going out and killing it? How many of those bands do you see? Not many, Because all I'm seeing is a bunch of old guys that just retired and they're figured out they want to be Stevie Ray Vaughan. Right, right, right. There's a lot of that. Yeah. Let me go out and rock the starboard attitude and be Stevie Ray Vaughan tonight. Right, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and, not, and not naming any names, but yeah, there's a lot of those cats. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. But there are young bands. 
um, they're just, they're not playing those clubs. They're not. They're doing backyard parties and they're playing, you know, other types of venues. And I think if we're smart, we'll take a lead from these kids. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and we'll create our own scene. And and, and so how we met. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's so, back to Venice Beach. So I, I get this phone call from Lisa C. And she goes, can you come out and fill in for my guitar player who is a, a great guitar player? And I go, yeah, man, I'll come out. And so I, I come down and uh, I'm playing through my my uh, 64 Strat, through my Super Reverb, you know, mm-hmm. and everything. And I had a Tube Screamer and that was it. That's, That's all I used. And so he, I come in, I, I, I come <laughs> in and I walk up to him and he's doing sound, he's doing something with his bass. And I go, hey, how you doing? John, John, Johnny Main, you know, I put my hand out and he goes, hey. <laughs> a little head nod and that's it he did it. a little head nod and just yeah. was like hey and then uh, I was like this is gonna be rough yeah and then all of a sudden we started playing and she kept saying turn up turn up turn up and I'm yeah. like dude I'm used to playing Babe and Ricks you, right. you gotta be quiet right so I'm used to playing you know so, yeah. I'm, so I turn up turn up and then Hightower leans over to her and goes, tell him to fucking turn up. I can't hear him. <laughs> That's funny. And then all of a sudden, and then he goes, oh, okay. Yeah, he's good. He sounds good. And then after the gig. That's, he, I kept telling her, I said, call him, call him, call him. Yeah. <laughs> Every time yeah. it came call him up. up yeah. man. That kid was good. Let's that go. kid was good. So that's how we, you know, because I had disappeared from the scene to play professional billiards. Really? Yeah. That I didn't know. You didn't know Maybe that. you told me that at some point. Yeah. Uh, so I disappeared, and he was just coming back into the scene. Nor- Norman Whitfield that wrote uh, uh, that famous song for Motown, he was a pool shooter. Yeah. Uh, heard it through the grapevine. Right. Yeah, he was a pool. That's, he told me that. He said, I, I found out I can make more money making records. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I, who knew? I found who out knew? I can make well, money he, playing he pool. had two artists do that song oh many so um, many so but, even, but even even fogarty did it once right so. right right um yeah, but that's that's our life that's how we met so. well dude i i think that right there is probably a good place to wrap this up because we are getting a little long sure um we could end up doing this shit all night um Next we never time, got to the road story we never <laughs> got to the road story we'll have to have you guys come back and uh and spill the dirt on life on the road yeah um We'll but, just have one segment, Life on the Road. Right. I mean, that would make a great podcast right there. Um, so anyway, this has been another episode of Fix It in the Mix. Thanks again to uh, Johnny Main and Mike Hightower for coming in and giving us a peek inside their world. And uh, if you enjoyed listening to this episode, please follow us on Facebook. And by all means, for the love of all that's holy, tell a friend. Fix It In The Mix is recorded at Inland Blue Studios. Remember to subscribe to Fix It In The Mix on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Google, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This episode was brought to you by SpinWiz Comics. Please go and visit SpinWizComics.com. This episode of the Nerd Life Crisis Podcast is brought to you by IB Comics. IB Comics, the home of great creator-driven stories for people of all ages, including Legba's Juke Joint. The first book of a nine-book series is available now and tells the story of American music from the blues to the present. The series examines the values of American society and for what we as people are willing to trade our soul. The book has been called Smart and Clever by Mark Wade of The Flash and Superman and Raw, Honest, and Profoundly Human by Stephen Frank, the creator of Silver and the animator on The Iron Giant. 
The book is available now at www.ibcomics.com. IB Comics, the home of great stories.